0: We would like to welcome you to today's sermon delivered by Pastor Stuart Guthrie. We hope that it challenges, strengthens, and encourages your walk in the Lord. This morning I want to to begin a study on the book of Jonah. and Not so much the book of Jonah, but the man of the book. I, I want to begin to look at his experiences in life his his successes his failures and i want to see how we as the body of christ can can learn and grow closer in our relationship with the lord jesus christ through this study and as we move through this this book i I want to be very clear as to the overarching idea that i believe this book portrays at least this is as i read and studied this is what i see and the fact is is this is that god's love and god's mercy extends to all people To all places and all generations that will trust in him We worship a god that cares for us that loves us and that pursues us no matter How bad you might be as you come in the doors today It doesn't matter the past you've had it doesn't matter what's going on who you are God will pursue you With his love and with his mercy And all he calls us to do is to trust in him So who was this man jonah? Jonah was a prophet that was active during Israel's reign of Jeroboam II. He was a a man called, or you could say commissioned, to do something specific in which God had called him to do. There's not much really about Jonah in the Bible. We don't see a ton of stuff about him, but boy, I believe we can sure learn a lot from his lives and the things he did right and the things he did wrong. Wrong, And so the really the book can be divided into two sections. The first section deals with Jonah's reality that he flees the mission in which God calls him to Chapters one and two chapters three and four deals with the fact that he fulfills his mission as a prophet And I think it's going to be helpful really to to work through this book Not so much more in a topical message series, but rather verse by verse And so really you can divide these into four different sections and if you're taking notes this morning, and I would encourage you to write these down because as we work through this book, to memorize these outlines will help us to know where to go as we struggle with different issues in our life. We'll know where to seek help and advice in, from different experiences. And so we'll see in chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, we see Jonah on dry land disobeying God. And then we're going to see the latter part, verses 4 to 17 of chapter 1, we see Jonah on the sea fighting with God. And then in chapter 2, we see Jonah under the sea pleading with God. And then chapters 3 and 4, we're going to see Jonah back on the dry land obeying God. He begins on the land and he ends on the land. He starts in disobedience and ends with obedience. And so let's jump into the first few verses of Jonah chapter 1 and see Jonah on dry land disobeying God. The the chapter, I want us to get three things out of it this morning. Number one, I want us to see that we must receive God's word. Number two is that we must respond to God's word. And thirdly, we must respect God's word. Let's begin by looking at the fact that we must receive God's word. God's word. Jonah 1.1 1, 1 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of is saying. I want us to take notice of just how God spoke to these people in the Old Testament. It says that his word came to them. Throughout all of Scripture, we hear over and over of how important the word of God is, how important Scripture is. And so we hear of people in the Old Testament that, that God speaks directly to. And they heard him speak. And so we see in 1 Samuel 15, 10, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying. 1 Kings 6, 11 says, The word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying. And then in Jeremiah 1, 4, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying. God spoke to his people. He spoke to his people, and we hear people in the New Testament as well hearing God's voice to them. We hear it as a little different We hear it through the angels of the lord We hear it through different circumstances as as they have dreams and they have visions But I challenge you to really study that And to ask yourself did does god speak in the old testament like he speaks in the new testament And I'd venture to say he speaks differently. Why because I believe because christ is on the scene God in flesh is on the scene. And so when we hear the voice of Christ, we hear the very voice of God. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are one. And so the Bible speaks, it talks, it warns, and directs us as his children. We've been given the very words of God. And the Bible is our tool. And God's word is our tool method in which we grow and in which we learn and as which we draw closer to him god can speak with a audible voice of course he's god we would never put a limitation on god but i can promise you it's not the norm but we live in a culture and a time that wants visions and they want to be met by god and they want to hear the voice of god when he's given us everything pertaining to life and to godliness in his word Too many times we're waiting on experiences and emotional movements rather than investing in what he's already spoken to us through his word. Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God we know scripture's value because this passage right here tells us that 2 Timothy 3:16 all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and training in righteousness so that the man of God the man of the woman of God may be adequately equipped for all good work God's word is alive and active and so, yes, while God spoke differently to those in the New Testament as he speaks to us in the, the New Testament time and even in today, the fact is that he communicates to us today through his written revelation. And so God, just like he spoke to Jonah, is still speaking to us. And that's why we believe as a church in plenary inspiration, that it's full, that it's God-breathed. And he, he needs say nothing more outside of what's written in his word because It's complete. And full. Do you believe that this morning? That all of your questions and all of your answers, maybe it doesn't tell you how to dissect a heart, but it tells you about your spiritual life, the basic instructions before leaving earth, the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. So Jonah was ready. He was ready to receive the word of God. Jeremiah was ready. Solomon was ready. And we read many other places in which they were ready to receive the very words of God. And listen, he, this morning he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to your heart. He wants to speak to your circumstances, your situations, whether good or whether bad. So we must receive God's word. Here Jonah is the perfect pitcher of someone ready to receive. But does that mean he does well with what he receives? No, but it does show that he's ready. So it's important that we receive God's word, but secondly, we also want to remember that we must respond to God's word. It's not enough to simply receive. We must be willing to respond. He says here in verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Jonah receives what God has said. He is prepared to listen, and now God is speaking to him, and he says, get up, arise, and go. The word there, arise, is in the imperative. It means it's a command, and and, and really it, it draws the idea of go quickly. And so we could say, get up right away and go to this great city, Nineveh. God doesn't want him to delay in his instruction. He wants him to be obedient at the moment in which he calls. And so God spoke with loud and clear, and he's expecting Jonah to do right right away what he says. Let me ask you this. What is it in your life? Lately that God has called you to. That maybe you've delayed in responding to what it is that God's put on your heart. Each person's different. And God is moving in the power of the Holy Spirit in your life differently than he's moving in mine. And he's convicting my heart differently in areas than he's convicting you. And he's calling you to different things in which he's calling me. that's why that we work so well as the body of Christ. Because each part has a special function. We are one body in Christ, but every part operates differently. My son this morning is not operating the way he ought to operate because he's wounded, he's hurt, he's broke. And I believe that many times the body of Christ doesn't operate because there are many parts that are broke and hurt. And my wife, she sits with that child and she loves on him and She makes sure he takes his medicine, she takes care of him. Let me ask you a question, are we taking care of one another in the body of Christ? We're praying for one another. That's why I mentioned, hey, pick up one of those prayers, fill it out, so we know how to specifically pray for you. There's no prayer request that needs to go unknown. We need to know what's going on. What is it that the Lord's been telling you through his word? To Jonah, it's go to Nineveh. To do something that necessarily he doesn't want to do, where's Nineveh? What is I mean, get up and go to Nineveh. We read that, but if we don't really understand the context and what that looks like and where that is, we may miss the whole thing. Nineveh, it's the capital city, of the kingdom of Assyria. These are bad dudes. It's first mentioned in Genesis 10, 11 and is known to be founded by a man by the name of Nimrod. You ever been called a Nimrod as a child? There you go. When I used to do stuff I wasn't supposed to do, he called Nimrod. Son, you're a Nimrod. Why? Because these people were rebellious. They were brutal. They were bloodthirsty too. But what I'm finding interesting about Nineveh is that it's filled with Gentiles and and pagans and all these people. They're destructive. They're evil. And because the people had become so wicked, God had issued this generalized, localized judgment against them. And Jonah was the man in which God was calling to do that. Maybe the people would be grateful to go and preach against the judgment of these brutal people, but not Jonah. Jonah. They were well known in the ancient world for their brutality, for their cruelty, and they had become accustomed to tearing the lips off of their victims, flaying them alive and stacking their bones. They were brutal people, and Jonah, I believe, wants them to get what they deserve. He knows God, He knows their circumstances. He knows who they are and what they do and, and how God will respond. The fact is is that Jonah's lack of enthusiasm to go to Nineveh could have been because of the fact that they were a people of brutality and cruelty. We don't really know exactly why he refused to go in the beginning. The fact is, is that whatever God had laid before him, he wasn't willing to respond and to do it. And the challenge that we have to apply that to our lives is it doesn't matter what God calls you to do or calls me to do. The fact is it's, it's what God is doing and how God is working and how God wants us to respond to his instructions to us on an individual basis and as the body of Christ. And so we have certain things we know we're to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples, converts of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're called to go evangelize and to share the gospel in Greenwood and in Decatur and on and out and into the state and into the nation and across the globe. The great news, the great hope of Christ. We must be prepared to respond to God's word. So the question is, are you ready? For what God might call you to do. For some it's singleness. Some it's missions. For some it's to get a job and to go to work. And for some it's to go to college. And for some it's to go get married. Some to raise children and some to adopt. Maybe God's calling you to be a better leader in the home. Maybe God's trying to teach you what it is to submit to authority. As I went through this with my kids, we talked about the reality that Jonah ultimately at the root of the problem is not submitting to the Father. And so the question is, what is it that God's trying to teach us? You see, we're a generation of, of prideful people. and We have to be ready to respond to whatever it is that God's calling you and to me to go and to do. Now, while the text doesn't just tell us why he didn't go, there's sure proof by his actions that something was going on inside eternally for him. God's word and God's instruction can be hard for us to handle sometimes. And it may be tough to swallow and even may be hard to accept, but the reality is, is that when God speaks, which he has to us through his word, we are expected to hear, listen, and obey what he says. Don't be merely hearers of the word, but rather doers of the word. The question is, are we listening? Are we looking for that opportunity to invest into what God has called us to do? I like the thoughts here in the latter parts of the verse that says, for their wickedness has come up before me. You see God not only called them but he knew something. He un- he understood what was happening. What 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 they were doing and how they were acting didn't miss from heaven. He didn't he wasn't blind to what was happening to these people and how they were acting. The evil of these people didn't slip past God's understanding. You see God is involved in our daily affairs. And when we are are doing things against his will. He sees them. He understands them. And we need to believe that God is as real as our mother and father. And I say that because I had a man tell me one time. He says if you were in a room with a young lady. And you were kissing that young lady. And it was dark. And your parents walked in the room. Would you stop? He said of course I would. He says. God's been there the whole time. Do you believe in God as much as you believe in your mother, or your father? I think many times we miss that. We miss the idea that God sees exactly what's going on in our lives. We can't hide from God. And Jonah, as much as he wants to maybe not admit it, he, he, he desires to hide from the Lord Jesus Christ. He desires to hide from the commands of God and to rebel and to do And so the reality was we must be prepared to receive God's word. We must be prepared to respond to God's word. But listen, buckle up our bootstraps because this next point is what gets really hard for us. And that's the idea that we must respect God's word. You could say we must submit to God's word. Or you could say we must obey God's word. It's easy to hear. It's easy to receive and to even respond. But to obey is a completely different animal. He says here in verse 3, but Jonah rose up to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so he went down to Joppa, found the ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You see, Jonah received. He even responded, but he didn't respect God's word. Jonah missed the mark in obeying. Notice the connection word here, the word but. Such a small little word, but really characterizes the the three verses and makes a transition that's undoubtedly understandable to you and to me. Jonah receives, he responds, but. It's like when someone, I was thinking like, okay, how does this relate to us? Well, it's like when someone says, um, man, you did a great job doing that. And then comes the but word, but. You know at that point you're going to hear something that you really wasn't expecting to hear because there's going to be a critique or something like that. God said do something, but Jonah failed to submit. He didn't respect the words of God. Has God ever led you to something that you've heard him say? You had great intentions, but then but got in the way. Yes, we all have. Well, that doesn't seem like that's going to work, God. I I can't fit that into my understanding or or how that's going to transpire. Or, God, that doesn't seem right because that's completely contrary to what the culture tells me. The fact is, Jonah gets up just like he was told, but the text tells us he rose and he went down to Tarshish to flee from the presence of the Lord. It says that he found a ship that was going to Tarshish, and Tarshish is his problem because he's wanting to run. It says that he said, go to Nineveh, but he didn't respect God, and so yet he goes down to Joppa instead. And listen, Joppa's nowhere close to Nineveh. There's no way he could even pretend that he was headed in the right direction. He is completely rebellious to what God is calling him to do. And so what we see is a runaway Christian. We see a runaway Christian running from what God has instructed him to do. And see, if you've never run away as a Christian, then you can't get it. You see, God pursues us When we run away. He loves us too much to leave us where we are running. I know as I was a young Christian, there were many times I ran. When God called me into ministry, I said, God, you're crazy. I make really good money. And my dad reminded me that I was a fool if I left my job. And all of my family reminded me how stupid it was that I thought about going into ministry. And so for the first few years, I ran. And not only did I run, but my wife ran. She said, oh, God didn't call me to be a a, a pastor's wife. So she ran. We were runaway Christians. God in his great mercy and grace doesn't forget. Jodah didn't want these people to be saved. He knew of God's grace and of God's mercy, and he wanted them to get what they deserve. But let us be reminded that God's love, God's mercy extends to all people and all places and all generations to those who trust in Him. And no man will prevail against His love and His grace and His mercy. This morning, I don't care how far you are down the road. I don't care what circumstances in your life or what your family thinks about you. Who cares what your family thinks about you? Our concern should be what God thinks about us. Because he loves us and he's pursuing you today to turn around and to come back to what he's called you to do in your life and in your walk with him. This judgment that God was to give was not to beat them down, but to draw them back to him. That's how God works. Jonah wanted them to get what they deserve and he wasn't having any part of it. But God's love, God's mercy extends to all people and all places and all generations to those who trust in him. Isn't this this some truth in this reality in which we enjoy seeing people get what they deserve? I'm sure you got somebody right out in the back of your mind that's wayward, that's doing something that, that nobody knows but you. And deep down inside, you want them to get what they deserve. It's like a criminal. We see all this mess on TV, and we want people to get what they deserve. We see criminals coming up and getting charged, and we want them to get what's coming to them. The liar is, we want him to be caught and to be put in his place. We want the cheater to be seen and to be caught and dealt with. We want to see the prideful fall on their face. But let me ask you this. Isn't it amazing that God doesn't act like that? Because what you and I deserve today is hell. Complete separation from a holy and righteous and loving God who has compassion on even yet sinners. While yet we were sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't want us to get what we deserved. Because what we deserve is complete separation. Isaiah 59.2 says, Your sins have made a separation between you and your God. We haven't worn, earned one ounce of our righteousness. And if anyone deserves anything, it's who? It's us who have been given everything pertaining to life and to godliness. We've been given all of the answers. We even know the end result. We even know what's going to happen in the next few chapters of Jonah. We've been given so much, we've been trusted with this freedom of religion. Freedom to read in just about any language we want. And then I'm on campus this week and a brother comes to me and says, Brother, I want you to be praying for me because my church in Africa, in Cameroon, Africa, has just been destroyed by the localized government. We have freedom. Freedom to, to read and to worship a righteous and holy God without someone coming in here and, and doing something to affect what God's doing. We've been given so much grace. If anyone deserves judgment, it's us. But God doesn't work that way. God is a loving and compassionate and grace in God. And so the fact is, is that we need to be reminded that Scripture is pinpoint accurate and that one day we'll have to stop running because we can't hide and when we do, we'll realize if we don't stop running, it will be too late when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And so better, uh, the, the, the better alternative is to respect the word of God when we've given it. To submit to his truth and to his love. And I am so glad that Christ was the example as he submitted to the Father. And he gave up his life, a ransom for many. So it's important that we must remember to prepare to receive God's word. Are we reading it? Are we allowing that word to run through our lives, to transform us, to make us more in the image of Christ so that we can love effectively, that we can serve effectively, and that we can be a great example for him and his kingdom? We must prepare to respond to God's word we have a choice to either move in the right direction or either in the wrong direction towards what God has called us to do as Christians and even unbelievers. As Christians, we're to share love and to pray and to seek God as a redeemer. To follow whatever it is He's called us to do. But yet, thirdly, we must be reminded to prepare to respect God's word. Because the Lord has given us His Word, and His words have been written in the confines of this book. So then let us begin the process of submitting to the Father and to His truth. And nothing in the world's worth turning away from the, the words that God speaks to our hearts. We need to obey. Just as Jesus obeyed the Father and gave up His life, He's called us to do the same today. To either be a deliverer of his redemption or to be a receiver of his redemption. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says you shall be saved. Whoever calls upon in the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. So I plead with you today, stop running from the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a Christian here. and Maybe you're, you're out of fellowship with him. Stop running from God and embrace what it is he has created you to be for his glory and for his honor be reminded that God's love and God's mercy extends to all people and all generations that will trust in Him.